Here we go! Hey there, my name is Bubba. My name is Anna. And you are tuned in to Church Nerds, a back row morning show. This show is made possible by listeners just like you and a strong partnership between Back Row Radio and Love Thy Nerd. And just in case you are new with us and you are a Church Nerds noob, that's okay. I am a founding member of Love Thy Nerd, and that's a ministry that exists to love and serve our nerdy neighbors. I have almost eight years experience in church culture missions nerd culture missions, rather, and over a decade of professional Christian work on church staff. Um, I do almost nothing professionally. That's not true. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool our three kids. We started first and third grades. I'm teaching two legit grades now. You are. It is kicking my butt. You're like coloring with two crayons now. Yeah, and I uh, spend all of my spare time at my sewing machine. Uh, when I can, which is where I actually do the only professional thing that I do in my life, which is sewing little tiny clothes. And teaching um, little tiny humans. And what? Teaching little tiny humans. Well, I don't get paid for that. Isn't professional means you get paid for it. Don't you, though? I have not taken any dollars in. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, the other thing that I do <laughs> on occasion is drive automobiles into car. No, automobiles are cars. Well, sometimes. I drive automobiles. <laughs> oh, no, you're making this worse. I drive cars into buildings. That's what I'm trying That's to say. That's really where we're trying to get. I, well, one time. I did it once. But you did it really well. Well, you're making it sound more dramatic than it was. Am I? But we did promise this story I last don't think week I, on hold, the show. Pause. I do not think I'm making it you any totally, more dramatic. They're going to hear and they can decide how dramatic this story is. I need to find a is. picture of... There is no picture. I can get a picture of Main Street. I don't even know of Main Street. I, hey, you know what? I know exactly how we can get a picture. Google Earth? Matthew Coker lives <laughs> right there in Clovis, New Mexico. Hey, Matt, we need a picture of... Is it the six... I think it's the 600 block of Main Street. Basically the corner of Main Street and six... Yeah. 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 Across the street from where the Crafters Mall used to be. Yes. Anyway, please continue with so, your story. So, um, yeah. Well, here's what happened because we promised that we would talk about this last week. And so and I'm nothing, about to relate if one not of integral. the. Well, this is one of the more humiliating stories of my life. So you are all welcome. I'm becoming very vulnerable with you. So um, this happened on my first day with. A driving permit. Day zero with a driving permit. Yes. So I had driven occasionally, like, you know, maybe three times before that. And it was highway driving, which was most of the driving in eastern New Mexico. And um, I was getting off of work. We were on our way out of town um, to go to a funeral, actually. And so we were going to go pick up my mom from our shop that we had in downtown Main Street. And my dad handed me the keys as I got Rookie off of mistake. work. And I was nervous and I told him as much. And he did what most good dads do, um, which is like just pep talk and you're going to be fine. This is fine. We just need to do this. How are you going to learn to drive if we don't do something 
that feels uncomfortable, you know, on occasion. Right? That's fair. It all makes sense. It's a little scary that you'd only driven like three times before this. Well, yeah, I don't know. I maybe I don't know how that was possible. Feels like somebody was lying on their driving test. Don't you have to write down hours that you've driven? No, you are not supposed to have driven before you get your, like, you drive when you have, oh, no, this is, yeah, no, this is your driver's permit. Oh, you got your permit. Oh, okay. You're driving with an instructor at this point is what you're, you're getting the permit to drive with an instructor. Gotcha. So I am not supposed to have driven at all, technically, although I I can't recommend it. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so, um, yeah, I get in the driver's seat. I back out of our parking space. I'm going down Main Street, which has crazy speed bumps and stuff. It was horrible. Yeah. And I'm trying to pull into the parking spot in front of my mom's store. Right. On Main Street. And next door to our store was actually a little antique mall. Mm -hmm. The parking spaces in that area are like those diagonal kind of ones. Yeah. Um. They're on a lot of main streets, I think. So anyway, I'm kind of trying to pull into this and I don't know what I was doing, but whatever I was doing, my dad says to me, he'd been instructing me verbally and he says, well, that's not what I meant. And suddenly I had this panic happened (laughs) in my brain that I was doing it wrong. And I gunned the accelerator instead of pumping the brakes. That's the wrong thing. You were you were literally doing the thing that your dad was telling you not to do. Well, I don't know what it was that my dad did. I know he didn't want me to do that. So, <laughs> so I the car we're in a minivan, uh-huh. and my younger brother was in the back seat. I'll never forget that. Um, and we jump. This is the part that Bubba really has a hard time with, or thinks is the most comical. It doesn't make sense. This this block has actually two curbs so there's like one normal curb and then there's this second there's like a thin strip of sidewalk right there Mm -hmm. and then a second curb and then a little bit of space to call it a curb is reaching it's fairly steep (laughs) it's about shin high it steep is it was tall yeah so i jumped both of those things actually boom boom and by this time, I have found the break. I really, <laughs> there was no one on the sidewalk. No one was killed. That's, um, per- that's great. And so I stop it really fast. But in front of the antique mall thing, um, there is actually a bench that was bolted down into the ground. Probably, I don't know why, because they were tired of it. Migrating well, maybe this had happened before. They didn't want it stolen or I, I don't know. So if it hadn't been bolted down, the bench actually might have kind of scooted out of the way, but it didn't. And it just like, I really actually hit the bench and the bench folds in to the huge plate glass window of the antique store. It was like glass shattering. Very, that was dramatic a little bit. Oh, yeah. And then there I am in the driver's seat, like hysterically crying and gripping the steering wheel, you know, like in movies where they're like, it's okay, you can let go now, (laughs) put the gun down. Well, the driver, the steering wheel, really, this lady, I don't know if she was from the, the antique mall or if she was just a bystander. 
but like the doors are locked. My brother is in the back seat, just like I'll never forget his face. Like, he doesn't know what he to didn't say. say anything. No, he didn't scream. No, he just no. froze. Yeah, we we're wow. all of us were. I don't remember what my dad said. I don't remember any of that. Um, but this lady's knocking on the window, like it's okay, it's okay, sweetie. Um, no one was on the sidewalk. No one was hurt. You can let go of the wheel. Let's just get you out of the car. And in my mind, there are so many things like expense and oh yeah, shame. This was my first day, and like insurance and just the humiliation of the whole thing. Yeah. I'm just in a shambles. So. Obviously, they call the cops because they're going to lock you up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you've earned should. it at this point. I don't know. So the responding officers to this was like this kind of well-seasoned older cop kind of guy. And then this really young looking wet behind the ears kind of cop. Kind of like you driving. Exactly. Yeah. Who had no idea what to do with me. I'm. 15 or six, I think I was 16 years old, mascara because I wore too much makeup at this point in my life, just in these black trails down yes. my face. Like horror movie. And yeah. it, I just was a mess. And the so they're right, they're filling out the report and he asks me, um, so how long have you been driving? And I'm like, this is my first day with my permit, <laughs> which is appropriate to be upset yes. about that. And he, uh, he says, and I quote, ah, oh, poor baby, <laughs> and proceeds to just write me a warning. <laughs> so, yeah, I drove into a building and got a warning. I feel those people who are like women can cry and get out of anything. There's something to that. I there think. is something to that. It's however, a, it's situational. However, I think if you get a permit, if you if you get a ticket while you have a permit at that point in time, like the only thing that can happen it just is, starts over. Yeah, like they take away your permit. You have to reapply, and all of your everything starts over. So what would the point of that even be on day one of having a permit? Uh, to get you off the streets. <laughs> Well, like I needed more practice driving. So, um, and, and legally I couldn't do that without a permit. So, <laughs> well, it's a good thing you had a permit that day. I had a permit that day. And so we are still needing to get on the road to go to my great grandmother's funeral. And the cop told my dad, she has to drive today. You need to get her behind the wheel today. Do not let her just sit in the car. And so they made me, and I really did not want to. Yeah, it took a long time going 25 the whole way. <laughs> well, we were going through Oklahoma, so it was that was the speed basically, limit. Yeah, anyway. okay, basically. Um, and so that is the story of maybe if I had driven more, like my parents had let me play driving simulators at the arcade, and that muscle memory of brake and acceleration were there. Although it happened know, to man. me the other day, like not that long ago. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What did you hit? Nothing. Did I, you hit it in my car? I don't remember. Oh no! I just—I yeah. think I might have been at the bank. I didn't hit anything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why is this just now coming out? I don't want to talk about it. I do not like learning things like this on <laughs> podcast. 
Anyway, that happened. So let's move on because I don't Please. want to talk about this anymore. We will double back to this offline. You can ask me all about any of this online when we post this episode and I will have I will be happy to answer your question. Well, I, I won't cannot. be happy. I will answer all of the questions, but just know that I am still deeply embarrassed about this. <laughs> so I want to play a game with you. Okay. Because it's time to not focus on me anymore. Well, we'll see. So we'll I see thought if I can we spin could it. test your geek knowledge. Geek knowledge. Geek. I, mean, I told to you this. geek. I don't like that. Geek. geek. So I'll call word. it your nerd knowledge. There it if is. That would make See, it that even feel rolls better. off the tongue better. Nerd knowledge. <laughs> but one starts with an N and one starts with a K. So I, I can't let it go. Um, I understand. Now, okay, so I got this quiz online. I'm not going to say where I got it. So internet. The internet. I got it from that. You used, I said online. You used Al Gore's rhythm. True and you found it. or false? Oh, I knew true or false. Question number one. Well, this one's true or false. In Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire... Harry Potter finally kisses Hermione Granger after the Triwizard Tournament. I think that's false. You are correct. It is yeah. false. Yeah. Um, how about this? You should... Uh, diehard fans of 2000, 2003's cult hit Firefly refer to themselves as browncoats, flytrappers, bootstrappers, or flyhards. I, I really wish it was fly trappers, but it's brown coats. Ah, I wanted it to be fly hards. Fly hard, fly hard. Die hard hey, if you've not hard. seen, if you've not seen this show, if you've not seen Firefly, oh, so good. Go watch it. Watch it's, it. It's it's great. Watch it. It's like a it's a space western. I mean, western, it's so fun, and it's got like Asian culture, and it's got everything in yeah, it. Yeah, it's cool. It's Love melting it. pot. It's really great. Uh, the organization responsible for governing all vampire-related activities on HBO's True Blood was oh called... Gosh. Do you know what this is? I've never seen True Blood. Okay, should we skip it? The High no, Court. No, 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 no. The High Court, the Vampire Authority, the Blood Bank, or the Red Order? The organization. Okay, so now I'm, now I'm having to... I'm just having to... Now we're in guest territory. Um, what would I call it? What would... What would I call it? That's what. That's how I answered Let's this see. question when I pre-screened this quiz. True Blood. A lot of people like it. I can't remember if this is like. I think teen it's about drama. It's, it's about vampires. Oh, yeah, I think it might be about vampires. Yeah, good call. <laughs> Maybe with some questionable content because it's on HBO. So. I w fair enough. I would call it Blood Bank. The Blood Bank. I call it the Blood Bank. You are incorrect. It is the Vampire Authority. Well, that seems so sorry. That's a little too on the nose this for me. This one you will know. Lost. I love number Lost. sequence from Lost. Is... Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Okay. Well. Next yep. question, you please. <laughs> you are correct. Can so. I tell you just how long it? I stopped. Not just then, but like to memorize that. Like because I memorized it as a joke, so that every time I opened a fortune cookie, I could I could read the back and go four eight fifteen sixteen twenty three forty two. Well, that's that's weird. <laughs> you know, I've never used it on a lottery ticket or anything like that. But yes, I do know that number. Okay, well maybe you might know this one because it's about your boy Jeff Goldblum. Who I you love. love Jeff. I Goldblum. know you love him. I love so, modern day Jeff Goldblum. I know Bubba is re he's really enjoying the world according to Jeff Goldblum on Disney Plus. It's so fantastic. Check it out, people. Just go watch it. 
Oh, that could have been the recommendation. Crap. Waste. Uh, no, I don't think it's a waste. You're we just, got a good you're gonna, you guys are going to get a lot of recommendations this episode. Mm-hmm. Just get ready. Yeah. Get a pen and pa- paper out if you still use those things. Yeah. What line did Jeff Goldblum say in both Jurassic Park and Independence Day? Isn't that fascinating? I can't. I don't have a. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was her Must doing an faster. impression. Got it. Must go faster. Chivalry is not dead. I don't know how he says that one. Or I wouldn't touch that if I were you. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Same again. Do him again. Isn't that fascinating? Must go faster. Must go faster. Chivalry is not dead. Or I wouldn't touch that if I were you. I'm trying to remember if he said must go faster, must go faster in Independence Day. Because I know that he did in Jurassic Park. That was when they were being chased by the T-Rex. Ah, What was the first one? Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating? All of these things sound like such Jeff Goldblum things to say that it's well, hard to... he's definitely said them. I know. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to go must go faster, must go faster. You are correct. Okay. Great job. I would like I to know when he said that, that in I think he's trying Day. to download or upload something or don't. Oh, uh, that's... Okay, I'll give it to you. Um, well, I mean... I, I watched that one a few times. I can't remember. Did. All right. Which of the following is a featured song in the 1989 cult classic Teen Witch? <laughs> Everybody's favorite cult classic. It's a cult classic. Teen Witch. Yep. Uh, I like boys. Who's that girl? Rapper's Paradise or Witch Girl? With a T. Witch Girl. Witchy. Witch. No, yeah, that's where my brain went. Mm-hmm. Because I'm guessing the, the title of the movie is not W H I C H Girl. It's, wi- it's witch. a witch. Yeah, she's she's a witch. sitting on a broom in the clouds. Um. We did do the broom challenge the other day (laughs) while we're we're talking about brooms. Yes. Come to find out that that wasn't propagated by NASA. Yeah, You can do it. It's not a hoax. You You can do it any day. We did it with a really janky broom too. It's normal. It's just a normal thing that you didn't know you could do. And now you feel cool because you can do it. If you haven't tried to balance your broom, just go do it. It's fun. It makes you feel like a wizard. It really does. It is fun. Yeah. Um, You're stalling. Yeah. Just... (laughs) I oh, guessed Rapper's I'm, I'm, Paradise I'm, on this. I'm going to say the one with the witch in it. Which the, Wh- girl. Which girl. And it's, no, it's, I like boys. Sorry. That was okay. going to be one of my four guesses. In 2012, you might know this one. The yes. Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm mm-hmm. for how much? Ugh. 14 million. Oh, man. 4.05 billion. An even trillion dollars. Or 1.6 billion dollars. It's not a trillion. That's ridiculous. That's like national <laughs> debt level stuff. Um, if Disney would throw some money at the national debt, that would be awesome. That wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Come they on, Disney. Do that. Help a brother out here. I am going to see, read them again, just one more time. Fourteen million dollars, four point zero five billion dollars, and even trillion dollars, or one point six billion dollars. I think it's the four point five billion dollars. That's my guess. billion. That one. Correct. You are correct. Um, A combination of cash and stock. And Lucas said, now is time for me to pass Star Wars on to a new generation of filmmakers. And then he went on to continue to complain about the next 
1500 Star Wars iterations? Well, this is another Star Wars question. Okay. In the 1984 Star Wars spin-off TV movie, The Ewok Adventure, no, Caravan didn't. of Courage, oh, what were the names of the two human children who crashed on Endor? Ugh. Huck and Linda, Luke and Leia, Chris and Darcy, or Mace and Sindel? I have never seen this. I Just have... ask yourself what sounds more like Star Wars names that actually are not already Star Wars names. The I, I it have... couldn't be Luke and Leia. Process of elimination. We know this. I have wanted to see this. I've wanted to see the Star Wars Christmas special. Um, I have not gotten around to seeing. I feel like I've started to Google before. Well, the little girl is super cute. Is all, I, maybe she's a girl. It might be a boy. <laughs> Let's face it. It was the 80s. I don't know. They all have the same haircut. Yeah, it's poofy hair with like one of those sweatband things Ooh, across yeah. the forehead. That's and what I'm talking about. cute. It's a girl. It has to be a girl. Um, and read her again. name is Linda or Darcy or Sindel. Which read them again. Huck and Linda, Luke and Leia, Chris and Darcy, or Mace and Sindel. I'm thinking it's Mace and Sindel. Yes. Yes, But correct. the thing that was throwing me off was we already have a Mace in the Star Wars universe. I know, Mace, Mace Windu. Windu. Mm, okay, this one you're going to like as well because it has to do with Scully from the X-Files. Hey! Except for a brief do period do 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 when do do she was abducted do do by do do aliens. Do 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 Stop! Sorry. <laughs> Quit. Sorry. Which piece of jewelry was the X-Files agent Dana Scully never seen without? except for when she was abducted by aliens. Her Tiffany bracelet. I think I know this. A Continue. gold cross on a chain. Her father's watch or a small pendant of St. Christopher. It's 100% the golden cross. Yes. Yep. Correct. I, I went through question. a binge. I went through a binge with X-Files. Well, I, then you're going to like the next question. Too. Oh, wee. Ah. Well, hey, look, I'm We're doing, putting this I'm doing to good. good. Use. What were the aliens called? You're trying, you're trying to take me down. Can you do this one without any helps? Not uh, multiple choice. Just it's, fill it's in the It's not board. Ewok. It is not Ewoks. The aliens on um, X Files. Do you need? Do you need? The, I think I need okay. them. I think I, I built myself up, and then I didn't know you were going to follow up with another X Files question. Mithrations, pollinators, colonists, or the syndicate. Oh, that's a tricksy question. That is a tricksy question. Mm -hmm. It's kind of spoilery, too. <laughs> uh, I got this correct. I just want you to know. One of the few that I got correct. Did you guess it or did you know it? I, I was pretty sure. You guys let us know what you chose. I'm going with Syndicate. You are wrong. It's the colonists. Yeah. Okay, that's it. The, that's the reason my I game. thought it was spoilery was because, like, towards the end of the series, like, there is like this syndicate of sorts, you know, where like the U.S. government is kind of working with the aliens, and you know, that's why it was always, you know, hidden. And yeah. I, anyway, it's it's a big wet story, but the government was in cahoots with trying to keep everything under wraps. So, long story short. Might be. How many did I get right? Did you keep track of them? Ah, uh, shoot. Uh, I didn't keep track. Oh, man. We'll just say <laughs> all of them. one of them, them I, I answered for you. Um, oh, 
Okay, you said the syndicate. Colonists. Continue. Okay. I'm submitting. Um, just talk while I'm waiting for oh, results. Oh, I didn't, right I didn't realize you were doing a test. I, yeah. Oh. It's, uh, it says you're an expert. Absolutely, I it am. It says eight out of 100. I think you got seven out of 100, but we can listen back to it and well, actually look, count I, them. I think I did. Eight out of 100, that doesn't make anybody an expert. Uh, it says geeks across the land applaud you like we did that recent Godzilla remake. Was that recent? Yeah, it okay. was good. King Ooh. of Monsters. I watched it on an airplane. Well, awesome. Yep. Well, that's it. That's all I got. It. That is all for your game. Well, hey. Next time, next time, Bubba might quiz me, but I'm just warning I you. I I will not do well. I doubt it. I'm having fun with these. Um, maybe <laughs> I can come up with something to quiz you about. But um, hey, uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us for a little bit this morning. And also, or whenever it is that you're listening to this, if you're listening to the syndicated podcast version. But um, hey, we are going to be back at the top of the hour after our break here with what we're going to be doing is... Today we're going to be talking about like relational evangelism and relational missions and uh, how they are effective and how you can better engage in them. So do us a favor, stay tuned right here to Back Row Radio, and we'll see you in just a bit. Welcome back to Church Nerds. I'm Bubba. I'm Anna. And today we're talking about relational evangelism and relational missions. Now, what is the difference between having a relationship with somebody and relational evangelism or relational missions? Uh, Anna, you wrote here that you can't really have the second one of those things without the first. And just because you had the first doesn't mean that you are doing the second one. Mostly because I just like being confusing. (laughs) I know it's confusing. But just because you have a relationship with someone does not mean that you are being missional with them. No. But you can't, I don't think you can be as effectively missional without having a relationship with people. Right. So these things kind of work in tandem. You stopped right as I was taking a drink of my I'm coffee. so sorry. And then just stared me in the eyes <laughs> while I had to finish that. Um, yeah, so... Uh, we, we're going to get a little bit heavy in the first section today. And Surprise! Just, hey, uh, you're welcome. So today we're going to be talking really all about the relational aspect of both evangelism and, and missions here. And relationship for us is super important, so much so that we're going to take the whole show today to talk mm-hmm. about relationship, and then next week we're going to talk about the truth. So the truth obviously being Jesus and Christianity and, and all those good things that we want to tell people about, whether verbally or otherwise, hopefully verbally, but not always verbally. Mm-hmm. So today we want to kind of talk about a little bit right here in this first section, why is this approach important? And I was telling Andy the other day, I stole this from you, and I don't even. You said you got it from Tim Mackey. It is not. Yeah, this is not actually my quote. If you have ever heard, and I highly recommend the podcast called "Exploring My Strange Bible." Good. Or you may have heard of the Bible Project. Also good. Um, is Tim Mackey is one of the ones who works on that project. Um, he's a nerd as well. Oh my gosh! Um, And that podcast and his study, um, really helped reframe. Um, 
how I read the Bible and um, in a good way, I think. Because yeah. I'm super hesitant about some of that stuff. Um, but it's, I haven't, theologically, it's pretty sound. And so um, he, one of the things that he says, and that I remember him saying is, the truth needs a bridge. Right. So a lot of times we see that picture, mm-hmm. and I mean like a literal picture that a lot of like pastors or <laughs> churches have the on cross, their wall. There's a bridge to cross. No, I'm not, not okay. going to sing any more of it right. because... Um, Yes, they're definitely, they are definitely going to come after us for that one. Sorry, point of grace. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but we've all seen that picture, and if you haven't, just kind of, you know, visualize it in mm-hmm. your mind's eye. I don't, you may Usually not have... Usually with those little guys with the poles who are like vaulting themselves into, into a the chasm, chasm. yeah. Where there's flames just... You may not have an, an internal monologue, which we should talk about at some it's point. not this podcast. But hopefully time. you can visualize things with your brain. And... So you have a landmass on one side, a landmass on the other side, and then a big chasm in the middle. And it says God and man. Right. Slash women. Slash humankind. Humans. Yeah. And so kind of the way that that we've looked at this is that, like, it's not God and man on one side or the other. It's like we are on one side and our unreached people are on the other side. And so like we're trying to to bridge that gap. We use that phrase a lot in Christianity, right? Bridge the gap between X and X. We want to bridge that gap between the two people. And in order to do that, we see relationships as the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not totally completely breaking down the analogy that Jesus dying uh, for our sins bridges the gap between us and God. Right. We're no, talking about this is legit. a different gap. Yes. Okay, this is between us completely different chasm yes but still equally as wide sometimes you know so like we we really want to to break down what it means to reach our friends our family strangers whomever with the gospel of jesus christ Mm -hmm. so uh in that we really believe that relationships are the bridge here and to carry this this further that we said that the truth um, of jesus and the love and acceptance that only he can bring us is a really heavy one. Well, I mean, I think that the love of Jesus is not necessarily the heavy truth. There's truth when you, and this is where people start to be like, oh, that's not real evangelism unless, and I will say this, to, for somebody to truly accept Jesus as being Lord um, and as being a, their Savior, they need to know what they are being saved from. They need to understand their own brokenness. They need to understand the fact that they need to be redeemed. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think it's my job to tell them that they need to be (laughs) redeemed. And that's where you get a lot of these groups who who are practicing quote unquote evangelism that is actually almost caustic. Like that's damaging to people and that we... You know, other groups have to go in and do cleanup behind them because mm-hmm. they are actually spreading a message of hatred instead of God's redemption and his love for us. And so, but then you have other groups that are, you know, coming against organizations sometimes like Love yeah. Thy Nerd that are like, but you're not, you're not sharing the whole gospel mm-hmm. because they need to know 
that they need saving. Yeah, they need to know that they are sinners in need of a savior, and right. that if they died today, that they would go to hell. Uh huh. And so, but some of that, that truth, because it's true mm-hmm. that you know we're wicked and we are depraved, and when people are like, oh, "I'm losing faith in humankind," boy, I lost faith in humankind. <laughs> A long time ago, because Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Like, that's who we are. That's how we were born. We're all that way. But that's not really something that I can tell somebody that truth. Mm -mm. You you have to have a relationship with somebody before you can start to call them out on anything. Yeah. Um, And even when you have that relationship, it gets dicey because... Once you have it, you're gonna you're gonna probably tailor yeah. the way that you say that. You if you don't yeah. know somebody, if you love somebody, you're probably not gonna scream at them that they're going to hell. Right. If you if, if you, you have a relationship with them and you truly love, them. love somebody. If you love if you I'm, I'm being real, like if you actually love them. If if you if you legit love them and you're not just worried so much about being right then oh, your approach will change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge deal. Like, well, I have this this heavy truth. I have this this weighty thing. I have the ultimate truth, which we as Christians believe that. We believe that we have the truth. And I don't, I don't think that it's like, I never see it as like superior. Like, I have the truth and you don't. So listen to me and all this stuff. Like, I, I lost that mindset a long time ago. Because we saw that that wasn't effective. I say we, like you and I personally saw that that mindset is just not effective. And that's kind of why I think like the, that the love of Jesus is a weighty truth because people have heard it a thousand different ways, usually opposite of that, that Jesus doesn't love me. How could he love me? I'm gay. How could he love me? I've cheated on my wife. How could he love me? I'm a drug addict or whatever. Now these are like big, huge things, but or like, how could Jesus love me? You know, I grew up in a family that went to church and they used it to control us, you know, or whatever. Like I have not seen love from Jesus. And then here you are telling me that Jesus loves me. Now, if you don't know me, if you have not seen me live that out, if you have not been able to, you know, see me bear witness whether I speak of it or not. Like people need to see what sustained love looks like, yeah. Before they can accept it, they need to see what it looks like on a re- like on a, in a human relationship mm-hmm. before they can accept it in a spiritual one. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times we as Christians we we advertise for God, right? Come to Jesus and everything will be great. Well, I am His PR man, absolutely. Woman, person, human, yeah, human. They, your PR, they, <laughs> and you know, so like we we do this marketing for Jesus, but it's like, if you should do this with everything, by the way, like if somebody says, Hey, you should go get this computer. You should go, you know, get this new blow dryer. I'm not talking just cause Anna, like, I'm the one that buys the blow dryers. <laughs> no, vacuum cleaners. Vacuum cleaners. Okay. And that's yes. legit. And you did a lot of research. Oh yeah. Even if somebody was like, Hey, go out and get this vacuum cleaner. Dyson. You, you, okay. So Dyson is the one that's the marketing, right? Like go that's buy a Dyson. That's what people tell you to get. Don't do it. You went and you still researched that even after oh, yeah. vacuum experts told you to go get a Dyson. You went and did your own research and found out that that really wasn't the vacuum that you should have got. 
shark navigator <laughs> pro everyone not a sponsor but lift hit away me pro. up if you want to be a sponsor because we have used it. i should be i should be paid to sell that vacuum absolutely you've sold several of them professionally that should be the other professional thing i do so a lot of times what happens is we will market jesus as Hey, come to Jesus and your life is going to just be better. Everything's going to get great. It's going to be wonderful. And then people go and they do their research and they find out that that's not how it works a lot of the time, that Jesus is not a one-stop shop fix all for all the bad things in your life, that just because you come to know him doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer hardships anymore. Like that's just not how it works. So a lot of times when we come out and I'm just broad strokes, you know, with mainstream, mainline Christianity, whatever. We have these things that we market for Jesus. People are not seeing them lived out. They're seeing them shouted at them. They're, mm -hmm. they're seeing things like Westboro Baptist and, you know, all these other things in politics or otherwise that have God or church or Christianity tied to them. And none of it looks like what it should look like. And so when we come in and we say, hey, Jesus loves you, it's really hard for them to accept that. And when we say, hey, he loves you and he wants to know you, like they, they might not even understand what a relationship with Jesus actually is, but we can show them what that is through their relationship with us. We can help them to understand. And they can help us to understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus as well. So we see relationships as this bridge and the weight of Jesus and his love and acceptance um, that really only he can bring is heavy. And love, acceptance, transformation. All of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, there are so many more steps in that process. Mm -hmm. um, but this thing, I can take that truth across a bridge. I can take it across a rope bridge, but the rope bridge might not hold. Right. Um, or I can take the time to build a sturdy bridge. I can take time to put into the relationship that we are going to have in order to be able to safely carry that truth across. Because here's the deal, I have to get the truth to them first and then we have to get it back across. I think that sometimes, so if our, if our load is like a big, <laughs> this is ridiculous, a big truckload of like tomatoes or something. Perfect. <laughs> Tomatoes. Yeah. Just think uh, of Bob the tomato. We'll keep it, we'll no, keep it in the realm. No, not Bob. No. These are not, they have no personalities because that would completely ruin Well, the does, I mean, I we can get into does Bob have a soul? No, like it. we can go there. No, like the goal is, is for us to be able to convey truth and it needs to be intact and it needs, you know, where some groups instead of doing it this way, they're like, maybe if I just catapult tomatoes across the gap <laughs> one by one and they're hitting people in the eye and like, you know what I mean? Hey, I and, mean, and, and suddenly those people think tomatoes are garbage and they hate them. You know? Sometimes that is effective. I, I'm Because this is not a be all end all blanket statement for everything. I don't think that every time that we do mission work, that we do evangelism, that you have to have a 10 year relationship no, with somebody. No, that would be... Because if you look at if you look at Jesus, ultimately, people who embrace this technique of relational evangelism have read about Jesus, yeah, and how he invested in people. Yes, um, Jesus was 
there were some relationships that he sustained for three years, and there were some that it was like, Boom. man, that guy was good at it because he knew he knew things. <laughs> but um, hold on, where was I going with that? I just lost my train of thought. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. No. Watching tomatoes. Oh well, I think. So we look though at all of his. If if you look at his ministry as a whole, sometimes it was long relationships, and sometimes he didn't. He didn't do all of one thing. Can't. He didn't always ask questions. Sometimes he preached. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some sometimes he was talking to three thousand people, and it was like this broadcasting thing, which is what we've kind of been taught to do a lot. But yeah. that but the broadcast was not the only thing he did. He also, you know, cultivated these deep, long relationships. Absolutely. And I think that that's important to know. And don't hear us say that this is the only way to do it, because it's most certainly mm-hmm. not. I think that, and we'll talk about this here in just a minute, but I, I think that there is something to be said about short-term missions or, you know, airplane evangelism mm-hmm. or whatever. Because like, we know people who do those things and are really... And really great at it. Really good at and it. And it's effective. Yes. You know? But... Because sometimes God needs to show up for that person through a stranger. And we, we will... Each of us will play a different part in a different person's life. I'm not always going to be... The seed planter, I'm not always going to be the waterer, and I'm not always going to be the harvester. Like for different people, I personally may be a different step in their process. And so if I meet somebody on a plane and I have that conversation, that may be the harvest. You know, I don't know, but we have to be ready and willing. We're just saying as a as a kind of a general rule of thumb, if you're talking with somebody who hasn't heard of Jesus before or has an aversion to him or whatever. The relationship is terribly effective. And even if you are step two or three in the process, like it's important that you get that relationship in because like we said, people will be able to see you um, do it. And we found that through the years of practical application riddled with trial and error, um, that when somebody trusts you, that they will listen to you. And that's huge. You have to earn that trust in order to speak truth into someone's life. Um, we kind of already mentioned that people are wary of Christians. Um, they need to know that they're not just another notch on your Bible or some other stat or whatever that you're going to report to a Bible study. We talked about that the other night in our Bible study. And they want to be more than a metric for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need to understand that too. Like us Christians, mm-hmm. people that are going out and and building these relationships, befriending people, evangelizing, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. Like, People are really just that. They are people. They are not projects. Yeah, and we and we talked about this actually because we're we'll talk about how we're going through some of this content with our small group. Mm-hmm. But we talked about how those moments are not. They're more about your connection with the Holy Spirit and your obedience to Him than just having an experience or a result from a right. conversation. Um, that's you need to take it to a personal level for yourself and figure out what your motives are and what you know what's driving you in this relationship and and what Jesus wants out of it. Ultimately, Jesus, he, just, he loved people, man. Yeah, he loved them. John three sixteen, right? The reason that's we do right. this, the reason we do this, is because Jesus loved people so much. Um, 
One thing that I found was really interesting, and I'll go ahead and hit on this because I haven't mentioned it yet, but the reason that we're talking about this um, is not just because of Love Thy Nerd and all that stuff, but our, our whole church is going through a thing that we're calling Excited to Share. And what it is, is it is a 13-week study on relational evangelism. Now, this is a this is a study that is the just bare bones application of our pastor's doctorate. His doctoral thesis was it was titled "Excited to Share," mm-hmm. and so and our evangelism looks like absolutely in our day and age. Yeah, in a in a postmodern uh, mm-hmm. society, and the great thing about it is for me at least, is that this is stuff that we have been doing with Game Church and with Love Thy Nerd for a very long time. We hadn't always been doing it with, with Game Church. We had a different, I kind of spoke yeah. about that a couple, couple of weeks ago. We had a different approach. But in 2017, we turned a corner. And that's where we really started to see payoff from mm-hmm. a lot of these things. It's, we, well, we started to really uh, yeah. be able to reap the benefits and, and kind of harvest on these things that we had been doing, these relationships that even unknowing to us that we had been building mm-hmm. and cultivating. Because you don't know what, just being there for someone, you don't know what's going to matter to them mm-hmm. and what makes a difference to them. And so things that you were like, it was just, it was just a normal thing that you did to that person right. was very weighty. And then suddenly they have bonded with you. <laughs> Yeah, we we unintentionally created yeah. these things. And then when we finally turned that corner in January of 2017 to say, okay, well, what if we actively did this? What if this was our actual strategy? It was bananas. How almost immediately with uh, past relationships that we had and also brand new ones, how it started to like just catch like wildfire. Yeah. And ultimately doing this is it's just being faithful it's just living faithfully like and true to who we are and our identity yep um and people just it just they like it it works i mean i don't know how else to say that and we're not trying to make something work but people notice people take notice well matt has said before matt warmbier i don't know if we've ever mentioned matt before um, on this, yeah, <laughs> only an entire episode, but, um, my bestie, Matt Warmbier, he, he says, and when he talks about love, thy nerd, he always mentions this. He says that people long to know and to be known. And so like there we're, is, we're actually going to talk about that later. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I wrote it into this. Um, but he, he mentions that. And I think that that's, that's a big deal. And people know that they're known, um, when you spend time to get to know them. Mm-hmm. So in doing this study, um, we've, t- I-, I talked with our pastor on Sunday actually, and we were going back and forth and, you know, g- like good back and forth. I wasn't like, I have problems with all the stuff that you're saying. I was basically like, dude, I love this. I am excited for excited to share. He is excited to share. He, yeah, I am. He's excited to share, excited to share. So much so that like, I don't have to, and we're talking about it on this podcast. Yeah, um, so that's true. Uh, but like, anyway, I, I just wanted to, to really let you guys know something in very interesting to me that like in Greek, the word for evangelism and the word for discipleship are the same word. It's euangelion, um, not evangelion. I thought that was a typo. No, oh, not evangelion, like, which is an anime. 
um, which is what I accidentally <laughs> called it to him because one of our other founders, April Lynn, she was doing oh, an Evangelion a, yeah, podcast, podcast yeah. where she watched through that anime with a friend of hers and talked about it. And the word is not Evangelion, it's Evangelion. Cool. Um, so, then why don't we call it Evangelism? Evangelism. Evangelism. <laughs> I think um, I'm going to start calling we, it that. Because we're going to get you and your house, you and your friends, Evangelism. Okay. No, I hate it. I don't like that. But. <laughs> well, but you're talking about how we've compartmentalized these two things. They are separate. In, in our minds. In the past. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you have your, you have, what do they call them? Um, your Dunkin' Chunkums. We're, you know, dunk yeah. them and chunk them. Dunk them and chunk we want to get people saved and then we don't follow up with them anymore. Mm. And then you've got people who are the ones who kind of are walking alongside of those people yep. who maybe are not being really active in the quote unquote evangelism because right. we have in our mind that it's this um, manufacture a conversation about Jesus right. with someone. You've got 10 minutes to get to the closer. Right. And then you got to ask them. Do they want to accept Jesus? And if they say As no, their personal Lord and Savior. Oh yes, yeah, okay. There, yeah, there is a lot of verbiage. If they into their, say, invite him into your heart and if, pray the sinner's prayer. If they say no, you shake the dust and you move on to the next. You know, like again, I think that there was time for all well, of that. I think they stuff. call it planting seeds. It's actually, I don't think they're saying shake the dust. Well, some, let's be some, fair. Some let's do. be fair. Some do. I have been through trainings where that's it. You shake the dust and you move on to the next person because God has somebody else out there for you. And so what we're saying, and what I'm, I'm trying to help you understand here, is that really, regardless of what kind of evangelism or discipleship method, method that you subscribe to, that in Greek they are the same word. Mm-hmm. It's all. They are all steps on this road. Absolutely. The same road. And for me, like when I think about it, if we combine them back into one thing instead of separating them into two, two, that even though there's nothing really inherently wrong with door-to-door evangelism, short-term missions, airplane evangelism, stuff like that, if we do see evangelism as discipleship, it's it's not a one-time thing. Like discipleship is the process. Right. And I think also that um, knowledge is helpful as we think about, were you ever at church or camp or anywhere and it was like, do you know the moment that you were saved and like hopefully you have it written down in some commemorative Bible Mm -hmm. or you have it Mm -hmm. on a certificate that's framed in your room and you need that so that when the devil comes to you later on you can just tell him you can look at that whatever yep um january 74th i gave my life sure um and then so maybe you have that moment that you know you did it yet at the same time um you're still struggling with sin and you think i would i would never if i were really a christian i would never struggle with this um, and then you feel like, well, I guess I need to do it again or something like that. Yeah. Um, making it all come down to this moment. Um, and this is another concept that Tim Mackey talks about, but it's like that you have, you, there are people who have a dramatic moment like that. And then there's also like these slow burn yeah. kind of people who have a relationship with Jesus and it didn't, it didn't all culminate in one single moment. It was many, many steps and it was a long period of time and so when we're talking about evangelism and and discipleship being actually the same thing i think there's room for both of oh yeah. those 
Well, there has to be because it's not one without the other. It's both and. Right. You you have to have discipleship as a, or you have to have evangelism as a part of your discipleship process. Mm -hmm. Because if you just dunk them and chunk them, one of the great sins of the church, then those people are never moving along in their walk with Jesus. Fishing for men, leaving them on the beach to dry. Absolutely. Our pastor used a really great analogy. Um, That was kind of yuckier. It was very yucky. For your benefit, not because it's bad, but just because there's a large smattering of people that listen to this, I'm not going to say what it was. Again, not because it was bad. It's just a trigger warning thing. It is a trigger warning, and I don't want to mess with anybody right now. Um, We're going to give you some stuff at the end of the podcast or at the end of the show that you guys can go and and look at and find resources. Yes. Um, but, but it, it, we, we do things as a church that do not set people up for success. Um, we mark them off as tallies so that we can send them into the Baptist general convention. Yes. Which is ours. We are you know part of the Southern Baptist convention of Texas. And so we're able to send those numbers in those metrics and then we move on. Which it's, I mean, you know, metrics have a time and place. Yep. Metrics are important, but they are not the only thing that matters. Right. And our church sees that, and we are trying to right some of those wrongs. And those metrics do not matter at all to the people that you're talking to. No, not even a little bit. And that's, that's <laughs> what we're going to talk about in our next segment yeah. as well. Um, so we've seen some of this stuff work. Um, a lot of the things that Anne and I are talking to you about right now, like these are not pie-in-the-sky concepts. These are things that we have seen work with great success. So you may have different experiences, and those are completely valid. I am not here to tell you that they don't work. These are things that we have done over the years, like I said, with varying levels of success, trial and error and stuff like that. But the, the things that we're talking about, these are the things that we have seen work with great success. Um, one of the other things that you can do with a relationship is you get to know more about them. Duh. Like, mm-hmm. hopefully, if you are spending a lot of time with somebody, you're learning things about them, just even passively, like even if you're not trying to. And if you don't remember, then you don't have a relationship. You do with not them. have a relationship with them. Yeah, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. So because building, I think it's possible to ask all of these questions, but then not put any of of it to oh, yeah. to memory, and that means you've actually wasted someone else's time. Absolutely, it's there's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody, mm-hmm. and that's that's where the relationship comes in. So, in building a relationship, like your conversation topics and really overall approach as far as discipleship and evangelism are going to change because there is no cookie cutter approach to evangelism. Right, because well, something that could be a trigger for somebody is actually a really necessary conversation for somebody else. I oh. say that there is no cookie cutter, but there are nothing but cookie cutter approaches for evangelism. What I'm trying to say is that the things th- that you don't necessarily necessarily have to lead everybody down the Roman road. I uh, something ethical, ethical evangelism. Mm-hmm. That there's no cookie cutter approach to ethical evangelism. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's in all that is talked about and and excited to share as well. I really like that terminology, by the way. Yeah. That's like speaking to somebody in a way that is respectful Mm -hmm. of them and honors their right to make choices in their life. 
what you're not trying to do is just say, well, I got to get through these points. So if you just sit Mm -hmm. there and then accept Jesus at the end, that'd be great. Yep. I got things to do today. Um, Yuck. When Anna and I were in youth group, we had this really fun thing called the Evangel Cube. I feel like I might have mentioned it here. I don't know. I You talk about the Evangel Cube a lot. We probably ought to find one somewhere. Hopefully they exist. I well, most certainly they exist. The, I'm gonna look on Google right now. So there was like a there was a revival or like a something that came through, um, like an a a week long event that came through one time and they started handing out Evangel Cubes to all of the kids. And I think we even got them in youth group and stuff like that. They came in varying sizes. There was like pocket size versions of it. I remember the massive one. The big one, the, the big Rubik's dog. Cube size Evangel Cube. Or bigger. I mean, it was, well, my hands were smaller back then. So yeah, maybe it was it's probably my favorite climbing tree was like as tall as Mount Everest. <laughs> when I was, <laughs> and I go back and look at it. I'm like, man, that tree's kind of shrimpy. So we had this thing and it was, you would, you would kind of, you would, it was all tied together. So you would like open it and it would show another story and you would fold it in another way. It would show another part of the story. And this was a tool that would help you evangelize somebody. And I can't remember when they, when they, when they handed those things out, if I thought to myself, who in the world is going to sit there and let me tell them about Jesus while they are playing with this cube? I guess it was a good fidget um, thing, but it's kind of the same yeah. concept as the salvation bracelet, as the salvation message soccer ball. Those are some of the other things that I have written down here, as a matter oh, of fact, you? like the WWJD oh, bracelets, the salvation bead bracelets. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Any Caruso t-shirt, you know, like... Hey... By the way, you still can get, they're now called E-Cubes. Oh, okay. And you I'm here can for get that. a six-pack for 35 bucks from christianbook.com. Okay, hey, thanks, And CB. this is, um, this is, you have the E-Cube Go, which is the two-inch version. It's a small one, yeah. As opposed to yep. the classic E-Cube, which is three inches. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for that extra inch. Yep. I appreciate that. That's. You know, going going the extra inch there for salvation, See, the E cube. They also have E cube grip. Oh, the Evangel cube big cube. I wonder how that one is. And that's probably the one I remember. An Evangel ball with a pump. Excellent. Well, yeah. Well, what do those they are, want you to blow it up? Recommended I don't think so. similar purchases. Okay. The fact of the matter is, the Evangel cube never once helped me. Lead anybody we to Jesus. We never did lead anybody to the Lord with an evangel cube. I wore probably three of those things out playing with them. Yeah. But I even personally, I think I can, I can remember maybe two or three of the things that it had on it. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember. But even now, like some of the, some of the techniques that people have, I was at a, I was at a, uh, a like a, a training session. I forget where it was. doesn't matter. But they were talking about new techniques, like different that they're using. And there's like three circles now that you draw. And I've done the triangle. I've done Romans Road. I've done all these different things, at least at some point learned them. And again, I won't say that they've not been effective, but they have not nearly been as effective as relational evangelism has for me. And I mentioned those Caruso t-shirts. If you guys don't know what a Caruso t-shirt is, a t-shirt is just go to a gas station or mm-hmm. it's Caruso with a K. 
Bubba has one that says, Want a taco want about a taco Jesus? About Jesus? Yeah. It has and a taco I, on it. I wear, nobody has ever been like, Yes, I do. I do take enjoyment from watching you wear that shirt, though. Oh, I love it. I, I wear it sarcastically. <laughs> um, but, you know, we had a good friend of ours that got that for me. And I do, I, I love wearing that stuff because for me, that's like, it's funny. It's, it's like a hysterical kind of thing because it's like satire. Nobody's ever going to stop and it's go. like wearing the Babylon B on your shirt. Basically wearing the Babylon B on my shirt. Yes. Um, I will say Not though, a sponsor. that's, um, is a sponsor our LTN shirts and hoodies. I've had more people stop and talk to us about those than I ever had. Yeah. Cause it's like, what is that? I've never had anybody stop me and say, wow, uh, WWJD, what, was, what does that mean? What do you think that he would do? Like, you know, <laughs> nobody's ever done that. But I think that those are the hopes of those kinds of things, is that, is that they would be conversation starters for well, your evangelism. No, but WWJD wasn't about other people. It was about yourself. Well, that's true. I'll it give you that. It was a reminder for yourself. It was like tying a bow around your little finger. I'll give you that. But these methods, I specifically and personally have never used them. If you have, awesome. Continue mm -hmm. to use them and use them well because a lot of money has been poured into them. So hopefully somebody's getting some use out of them somewhere. But for us, we've seen that like people build relationships and relationships build trust. When you trust someone, they can share really hard truths with you or offer constructive criticisms and speak in a way that really nobody else can to you. Well, and I think that I, the people that I know that do use those tools and they are effective, they are, they are willing to have the relationship to back it up. Like if, if that person that they give a bracelet to or, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. actually want to have a relationship with them, their their money is where their mouth is and they're and they'll go there um but if you're just looking to you know like you just want to say that you're that you are doing this everywhere you go yeah that's not the same thing and has a it has a different motivation yeah well i mean we're going to end this section here uh we'll be back at the top of the hour to kind of talk a little bit more about some of the strategies that you can use to help build relationships so that you can stay connected with these people. So do us a favor, stay tuned right here to Back Row Radio, and we'll see you at the top of the hour. Well, we are back. In this section of Church Nerds for this episode, what we're doing is we're going to be talking about some of the strategies that you can use for actually building relationships. Not in hopes of building a relationship, but to actually step forward and start doing some practical application for building relationships. And Annie, you're going to be you're going to be leading this section. I took the last one, you're going to do this one. So, why don't you just kind of dive in with some strategies that you have? Well, um Spoiler alert, these strategies are from a book called It's Personal, which we have mentioned before on yeah. this podcast. Um, it's a book by, well, there's, it's a bunch of people, Virginia Ward, Reggie Joyner, and Kristen Ivey. They are with um, Orange. Orange. 
if you've heard of Orange, um, it's like a curriculum and um, started out in North Point and Alpharetta, Annie Stanley's church, mm-hmm. that kind of deal. Um, it's really cool. Um, it's a it's a really small little book and really easy to read, and it is awesome. Um, and it's it's just all about it is a, it's kind of about what we're talking about where it's taking. LTN staff is going through it. We're we're reading through this book in hopes that we will be able to apply it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like with, with true hope that we will be able to apply it effectively in our ministry. So the premise of it is taking a deep dive look at um, the encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus, the wee little man. A wee little man was he. Le- a wee little man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, um, get out of that tree, boy. And... <laughs> Because it was an encounter that Jesus had, and though it was a very short encounter. I see what you did there. Because <laughs> Zacchaeus. It was, um, Brief. It was very meaningful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> brought about um, deep heart change. And um, so maybe looking, it's it's just a much deeper look into it than I think most of us, when we're like singing the little song or have looked in Sunday school, it really picks apart what it was that Jesus did in that encounter that was so heart changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the beginning of it, I'm just going to kind of go point by point. And these are all just different chapters, sections of the book. You're um, still going to want to buy this book. You, Yeah, because this is, we're barely scratching the surface. It's so good. Um, step number one is to quit being shallow. Stop being shallow, um, which is really hard for some people. For some people, there are people who cannot, who shallow is like painful to them being shallow and just talking about the weather or oh yeah, making small talk. And then there are some people that live there. They, you know, they are firmly. It's all they know. They, yeah. And they, ha- and they struggle to go deeper. So if you are one of those latter two, um, no, no latter two of the latter is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is really awesome because it really takes you step by step in. These are the important things yeah. to help you go beyond. Um, and and so it's it's being shallow versus being personal. Yeah. And Jesus is personal. It's not personal. It's business. No, <laughs> he's personal. Um, so um, number one. I guess number two, if being if being personal is the first yeah, the, one. F- the first number, number two, two would be yeah. um, that we need to know people's names. Do you know my name? Um, because knowing someone's name, which seems simple mm-hmm. and easy, sometimes not that easy though. No. I'm not a names person, but it's really important to know somebody's name because that shows people that they are worth remembering. Um, a lot of people, pe- a lot of times people will ask me, Hey, what was, what was so-and-so who's so-and-so, or we'll talk about somebody and I'll go, who's that, ha- guy? that person has a name and is really important to them. That is exactly not what we're talking about. Yeah. Because I haven't taken the time in that particular instance to put it to memory. Mm-hmm. I am terrible with names. Not good. I'm the king of nicknames. <laughs> I'll just give you a nickname you, so that Michael I will, Scott. Yeah, I will just, uh, remind myself who you are because we had that thing that happened. I met somebody at church the other day and they handed me a card with their name on it. And I had to refer to that card several times. Oh, no. 
And then I was like, well, do you, do you want me to call you, do you want me to call you that? Cause it kind of sounds like there might be a, a nickname or like a shorter name that you have. And he's like, well, my friends call me Boots. And I was like, I will never forget that. You're <laughs> Boots. I was like, dude, if anybody understands nicknames, it's Bubba. Like Endor- Endora? Like the monkey, Endora? Like as in Boots. the person I met at church. That's, that's who Boots is. And I will, I'm, I'll see that guy and I'm like, Boots. He can come okay. in a pair of flip-flops. Boots. Like, <laughs> I will never forget that. Well, one of the things is making sure you know how to correctly pronounce people's names. I think I can do Boots. Which, man. There's that, a lot of like mnemonic devices for learning people's names. Um, This, knowing how to correctly pronounce people's names is difficult when you have online relationships. Sure. But I think that there's also like, there's a way to know people's names without knowing them. And it's not telepathy. That's not what I'm talking about. There are, there are a couple of different like top ways to learn people's names because it's such a big deal, especially when you're dealing with you know, relationships and stuff like that. If you don't know somebody's name, the most like common and effective way that I've found is just to wait till somebody else says it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unless it's just you and them and then it's going to be really hard and you have to move on to way two, which is ask them. Mm-hmm. Just ask them what their name is. There's also a third way is that you can kind of do a little investigative reporting on the spot. I've done this when I don't know how to spell somebody's name. Somebody else in the room, like. I just look for something with their name on it. Oh, okay. And I know you're like, when in the world would that happen all the time? Like, I can't. (laughs) I go to people. I go to. Oh, yeah, we use Planning Center Center people. (laughs) This is this is terribly effective, but it's it's terribly effective. Maybe incredibly effective. Super duper infective. Infective. Whoops, we're moving the wrong way. (laughs) Effective. But you're right. I mean, knowing somebody's name, if you don't know their name, you don't have a relationship with them. Well, I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you know you've met someone several times and yeah. you're like, what's your name again? And you you actually mm-hmm. went through that with someone, I, I'm not going to say his name, but um, you talked about how you had met this person multiple times at oh, a yeah. convention and oh, yeah. and then that person completely barely knew who you were. And it's like, ooh. Yeah, it happens all the time. uh, It happens all the time. We need to use people's names. We need to be able to pray for them by name because, you know, you can tell God that it was that guy or that girl. You know them, He knows. But do do you? Like the whole thing is about God put you in this person's life because he wants you to be doing some of the legwork here. And so that's important. Um, And we need to go beyond just labels for people. um, Boots. Into... Well, that's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, a name is a label, but I see what you're trying to say. Yeah. But not like preps and jocks, jocks and yeah. band geeks and all that. I will also say, don't be afraid to ask somebody what their name is. Even if you've met right. them a thousand times, like that is a level of vulnerability. I'm the worst. Yeah. I can't you, remember. You just eat it. You don't go, oh, hey. It's good to meet you. My name is Bubba. Because you they're going to be like, we've met a thousand times. The worst part is when you accidentally call somebody by the wrong name. Because Oh, man. Somebody I did, did that, that to me in church the other day. <laughs> yeah. Several times. You have done it to people as well. Oh, stop it, There Emily. is a particular person who Bubba always gets their name wrong. Every time I feel like we talk to them. And he's like, what's that person's name? <laughs> There's and a I lot of people in our him. church. There are. But you should know this. Person. But own it. 
Hey, yeah. I'm sorry. I should know your name and I apologize that I don't. Can you tell me what your name is one more time? Mm -hmm. And then that time, remember it. Don't go through all that pomp and circumstance to not remember their name. But people appreciate that because that, is, like I said, it's a level of vulnerability that's important. Mm -hmm. Know their name. Next thing is, do you know what matters to me? This is where Love Thy Nerd lives. Mm -hmm. um, getting to know people, um, discovering their interests, uh, becoming involved with them in their interests. We make this one easy. Yeah, this one yeah. is... This one we're pretty good at with Love Thy Nerd. Sometimes we're not good at this in church because it's very like, here, you come here and we'll talk about what we want to talk about. We'll include you in our thing. Mm -hmm. When this is like, no, we need to figure out where people are and become involved in their thing. And become, right. because while knowing someone's name tells them that they're worth remembering, if you become involved in their interest, it tells that person that they are worth liking. Oh, yeah. So, um, after that is, do you know where I live? So this one's really interesting, mm -hmm. um, because it's not just about, do you know what street I live it's on? It's not location. And what, although that matters. Yeah. That can matter. Um, it's a, because, and the reason that that matters is because if you know that someone lives on the wrong side of the tracks or whatever, sure. that is going to it's just, it changes your perception of them. It changes the context that you know them in. And suddenly, maybe there are some things, there are some dots that you'll start to connect. Things will start to make sense. You'll understand their struggle if you understand their demographic. Um, if you're playing online with somebody who is in Saudi Arabia, like that is a physical location that knowing that in context will help you better understand Maybe some of the viewpoints that they have, mm -hmm. um, some of the ways that you could better communicate in general with them, and some things to maybe stay away from. Right. Um, and so physically... There is a physical aspect. There is a physical it, yeah. aspect, but it's not the only aspect. We're also talking about knowing where people live socially, um, what circles they run in, uh, digitally. Yeah, where are they spending where, their time? Online. Where are they? Um, when we were going through this training, we were talking about our kids and they were like, you know, parents are on Facebook, parents are on Instagram, kids are on TikTok. And hey, TikTok. we need to know. <laughs> I just hate well, it. I feel the same way about TikTok that I did about Snapchat. Get off my lawn. Like, <laughs> not interested. That is probably not a helpful attitude. Um, but also. I will say I am not on TikTok. No. I think that there are people out there that are really good at it. That are more I effective in it. Don't even know. What it was the same is. thing about same thing with Snapchat. Like I didn't find I could not effectively use Snapchat at all, let alone for anything positive. Vine, Tumblr. I could do Vine. Snapchat was a little off for me, and TikTok's further out. Like I just, I feel like TikTok is brand new Vine. But <laughs> at the at the end of the day, you just have to know where these people that you're building relationships with are, and you have to know about these things. Mm -hmm. If they say, oh, I love TikTok, you can't, you can't say what I just said and go. That's, uh, TikTok's the worst. TikTok's Maybe you stupid. should find a better place online yeah. to hang out. Why would you do that? And they're like, no, I, I, love, I love TikTok. Well, yeah, what that does is like shut, shuts the door. Close the door. You know? There's also culturally yep. knowing where people live and emotionally. Um, 
I would say sometimes as we're discovering this, you'll find like people who are really, there are like social justice issues that matter to them. Oh yeah, big time. Or experiences that have happened in their past that make them very raw in certain areas. Like, um, like if you were talking to a couple who is having fertility problems oh, yeah. or something, that that's an area to live, I think. Well, an emotional is. area to live. Um, and you will see that reflected in the places that they hang out online and the books that they read and yep. the, you know, like the Sunday school classes or Bible studies that they will attend or not attend. Um, you can pick all of that up by seeing where they are. And I think that one of the things that I really liked about this particular, um, it's, it's like a quote that really stuck with me, was that you can't force your way into someone's heart, but you can invite yourself into someone's world. Absolutely. So show up where they are. This is the boots to the ground part of building a relationship where you have to be a go-getter and you have to, you have to go to there. We say this all the time. Anytime I'm leading a small group or a breakout session or a main session or anything, teaching people about what we do with Love Thy Nerd, I'm usually talking to people who are not nerds, people who don't understand or who have kids who play Minecraft or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. And the number one thing I tell them is stay educated. Mm -hmm. You may not care at all. I am a nerd. Me, Bubba Stalkup, I am a nerd. And still, my seven-year-old son will come to me and want to talk to me about things there is just no possible way on God's green earth I could care any less about. There is a book from the library. It's a Minecraft book that he basically won't return. <laughs> and we just need to buy it. It's not because, stealing yet. You know, the other day he's like, Mom, how do you spell anvil? And I'm like, anvil, anvil, animal? What are, I'm trying to figure out, use it in a sentence. What are we trying to, and it's anvil. Yeah. He he wants to, he wants to build an anvil and I'm he like he did it oh man spoiler alert he did it and so like we don't care he wants to as talk about Minecraft does. all the time yes he does and if it's not Minecraft honestly it's Pokemon, Pokemon cards Pokemon and so like those are two things that they're not necessarily Pokemon more than than Minecraft is my jam um, Minecraft I just I don't know, it's it's not my thing but I stay educated on those things so that I can have conversations with my son about the thing that brings him life, joy. Um, he can just have fun with it. He can play with his friends. And he and I can talk about the thing that he cares about. That's a thing everybody should be doing about something that they don't care about, mm -hmm. that somebody close to them does. And that's, yeah, that's some of that, do you know what matters to me? And it's a crossover of, do you know what matters to me? And do you know where I live? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we know where people live, then that tells them that they're worth knowing. Yeah. Um. So all of the all of these things, if you can see the pattern, it's about it's about showing people value. Absolutely, and they weave together. Mm -hmm. So the next one is a it's a difficult one. I would say this is a pretty big jump from the last one, but you have to kind of lay these things down in layers. Mm -hmm. Um, but this one is, do you know what I've done? So this is about vulnerability um, and moving beyond shame. Yeah. It's about being with someone long enough to know that 
they know that you know that they are not perfect. Yeah. And that there are things that they um, don't like about themselves. There are things that they are ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And moving beyond that shame into a place of vulnerability and to a place of forgiveness and empathy. And um, so the quote that I really liked from this section is that, and this is the one that Matt, uh, it's similar to what Matt says, no one needs to be known by everyone, but everyone needs to, needs someone who knows them. Yeah. Um, And the greatest trick that shame plays on us is its ability to alienate us from the one thing that might help, which is love. Oh yeah. Shame Um, is the freaking worst. I was having a discussion with a friend about this last week and how it is such a tool of Satan because you cannot get better. You cannot find healing from something hiding in the dark. Yeah. Um, and there's just like this thing inside of you that's whispering that if you come into the light, um, that it's going to be worse. Yeah. And that you're, you're too broken. You're too unlovely. You're too whatever, whatever it is. And that you're going to, you're going to just break people around you or they're going to be disappointed in you. Um, and this is when you're talking about the, that the weight of truth coming over that bridge that sometimes people have a hard time with. There are people that they've gotten to this step with people and then have been disappointed by someone. And that person did walk away. Oh yeah. And so, and then it cements that in their mind that it's like, I'm not worth forgiveness. And, and this, so we're trying to counter that, that you are worth, you are worth forgiving. You are worth my forgiveness and you are definitely worth God's forgiveness. That's the big thing is that once a person understands and they can finally hear you as a Christian tell them, hey, I know your dirty secret and I love you anyway. Like once they can see that somebody physically, tangibly can love them, then they're going to this, you know, big idea of God. They're going to start seeing that, okay, if he or she can love me and they have a relationship with God, that God can also love me too. So like we are using this relationship bridge to bring, now that we've taken the truth to them, now we're trying to bring them back across the bridge. So not only does it have to support the the weight of the truth that we're taking across, but the weight of like shame and regret and remorse that that person has as we're bringing them back across to get them, you know, to God. Like relationships are a big deal with this. Mm-hmm. I have people, I don't want to say all the time, because that, that is just not true. That is, that's a fallacy. It's, uh, it's hyperbole. But I do have people that come to me and they tell me things that are deeply shameful for them. I don't have people just walk up and randomly tell me these things. Mm-mm. But I do have people that come to me and tell me things that are deeply shameful to them. And the very first thing that I do is make a point to not tell them, oh, that's terrible. Mm. How could you? Shame on you. If you are a person out there that uses the phrase, shame on you, and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, do your best to remove that phrase from your vocabulary. You shouldn't use it. Mm. You really shouldn't. 
you should never be somebody that heaps shame onto another person. Well, I think, yeah. well, if you're talking about a person who's already feeling the weight of guilt and shame, we as Christians should not be adding to that. Absolutely I think not. there are people who firmly believe, who are very, very self-righteous. And that's the, or it's like convict, conviction versus shame and what those different things look, look like. Um, if we as Christians know what shame is and what shame feels like and the weight of it, that is not something that we should be, those are not coals that we should be heaping onto another person. Conviction and shame are two different things, and right. we need to know that. Yes. Conviction is something that the Holy Spirit does. Shame is something that people put on other people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't think that we need to be using that. I think we need to help people overcome that. And that when somebody brings something to us, we tell them, hey, man, I, I love you anyway. How can we help you get past this? This this step is especially important to me because of, I think, the role that it plays in my own story of my, I guess, my faith journey or mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I was raised in church, basically born in church, and but kids who are raised in church and born in church and sheltered and all of these things right. can still do deeply shameful things. Yeah. And, um, and I can remember when I, the person who walked me to this point and then I was, and then I came out with this, you know, secret sin of yeah. mine. And then that person f- saying, I forgive you. Yeah. And, and I knew in my mind that God forgave me. Um, you know, people will be like, well, I know God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. I guess maybe it's that, but it felt more like it was hard for me to accept that God could forgive me until I was forgiven by a person with skin. Yeah. And so, and I, and I remember that and it changed my life. Yeah. And I was a church kid. And so this is the point that I try to take every relationship to, not because I want dirt on people. It is more that I want to celebrate with them the freedom of just casting off the shame and embracing and walking in forgiveness and like physically feeling a weight lift from you and just learning to live again. Um, I want to be a part of that moment with people. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, this one, this one is a big deal. The next one is, do you know what I can do? So this is about recognizing potential in people and calling it forth. Um, and it, this one is tough because there is a bit of um, speaking that truth that hopefully you, ha- you have the relationship with them by this yeah. point to, to say this, which is like you, you see a kid who starts to flounder somehow and make some poor decisions uh, and that you can yep. speak into their life and say, this is not who you are. This is not who you were created to be. This is the, that Moana moment that I love. It's the, oy, oy. This, is, this is not who you are. You know who you are. That makes me cry. I cry. Every, you guys, every time I watch Moana, I cry at that part and I'll cry right now. Um, Think about Shiny. <laughs> about who? Shiny. No, <laughs> Yeah. Then you won't cry. 
So um, there, there are a lot of people, and this is a quote from the book, that a lot of people need someone t- to believe that they can do something that they may not even realize that they can do. That you're believing someone's potential to live a remarkable story and communicating to that person that they are worth helping. Um, and so I would say the last step, the forgiveness step, is a, is a difficult one because yeah. you really have to walk in the trenches with people and that gets really gritty yeah. and uncomfortable at points. And this one even more so because you're having to. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to, I, I think, think, communicate that in a way that isn't downgrading to them, mm. um, but uplifting and life-giving to them. Yeah, and I think that it's really hard for a lot of Christians because we, we as like American Christians, and I really, I'm not a huge fan of that phrase, but I think sometimes it just needs to be used because we're our own flavor of Christianity a lot of times. In American Christianity, we we think that acceptance of somebody is affirmation of the way that they're living. That if I do, if 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 I bring somebody in, if I, you know, do all these steps and I get down to um, you know, knowing where they live and then you ultimately find out what they've done. Cuz that's usually not how your relationship is going to start. Right. You're not going to start with what they've done and then you move forward. Like it's usually build, 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 build. Oh, hey, by the way, like there's this deep thing about me. Here's what I've done. You have to move to the next one. Do you know what I can do? Like you, do you know, they're not going to tell you, but I can soar. They're probably stuck. <laughs> yes. And so you have to know what they can do. But in order to do that, we have to be able to accept people in. Bible tells us to come just as you are. Like we want you to come broken, not so that I can be the thing that fixes you or whatever, but because God is the one that can do that. He's going to call, he calls everybody out of the life that they're living and into the richness of his love and his forgiveness. The Bible also tells us to confess our sins to each other. Like mm-hmm. that's the with skin on part that mm-hmm. Jesus is like, no, I know. Yeah, it's not because he needs to know. It's we'll put it in the book. You um, need to. That that part is for you. <laughs> so I mean, like when when you get down to this point, and it's like, well, if I if I accept them in now that I know the nasty stuff about them, maybe we need to push them out until they fix that, and then we can bring them back in. Because if I bring them in, then then my other friends or people on the outside or or other people that have this other preconceived notion or misconception about what Christianity is or might be might think that because this person's inside now that we are affirming that we're endorsing sin is yes. what it, yeah yeah I use the word affirmation endorsement is also another one um I like alliteration so acceptance and affirmation they both start with a's but regardless of how you want to 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 view it or what what label you want to put on it when you accept somebody, that doesn't mean that you af- you affirm or you endorse the things that they do. Because if you truly- I love you, never change. <laughs> never change. I say that all the time, never change. But like if you, if we truly believe what God is trying to do with us, which is to, all, to transform us into the people that he has called us to be, we need to understand that if we are in need of a savior, 
that there are things that we need to be saved from, like you mentioned earlier,、mm-hmm. and there is a transformation that needs to take place. Yeah, because I've talked to people who I I do love them. I I do love them, but they were kind of at this point where I was like, "But I think I'm fine," and、yeah. we couldn't get anywhere in past that until they realize no. Yeah, that's gonna be enough for me, not, dog. <laughs> you're not fine. I'm not fine, and you won't be fine as long as that. As long as you think you're fine. So, um, I I liked that you were talking about being stuck, um, because that's actually something that Reggie Joiner talks about. Yeah. Um, with that, all the different things that we can be stuck in, and that when you are Communicating to someone what they can do. Yeah, you're kind of you're advocating for them against, you know, themselves. Themselves. Yeah. Um, being trapped in self-destructive habits, being trapped in unresolved emotions, or just being trapped in life in their overwhelming、Absolutely. circumstances. Um, this could be like social structures that are in place. Um, or I don't know, really any number of things、um, that Jesus helped Zacchaeus move past those things,、um, and that that's what we're that's what we're trying to do, and we have to advocate for people against culture and、yeah. against themselves. Or,、um, and it's all and, very intentional. Like that's another word we haven't used. There's a lot of buzzwords that we could throw out here, but like God. Like Jesus called Zacchaeus out of the tree. He's like, "By name, we're gonna go to your house." And he wasn't like, "How do you?" Zacchaeus. Is that your name? I'm looking at it, but I'm gonna need your help pronouncing this. Come here, little fella. You know, like (laughs) you wee little man. Yeah, you know. So, like, it's it's important that we be intentional with this. What if Zacchaeus? What if he had called Zacchaeus a wee little man? I don't know if he would have. I don't know if that story would have ended. This this show would be different <laughs> if he did. So I mean, it's it's one of those things where like you have to see the potential in other people, and I mean like everybody. I keep going back. This is so basic that it's almost comical. John three sixteen. We just sat down. I and I heard my my seven year old son say it just the other day as part of his schooling stuff.、Um, And it, you know, for God so loved the world, and I like to tell people it's the whole world, all of it. He loved the whole world, past, present, and future, so much that he came to die for it. Not just the people that are going to love him back. Not just the people that are going to go to church on Sunday and tithe ten percent. Not just the people that are going to try and live the best life they can. He loved absolutely every single person so much. That he died for them to give them the opportunity to live in the best place for the rest of eternity that they could never imagine. It's important that we see people in that same light. Well, and another thing is that I can remember. I don't. I couldn't find this in the book. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. But I remember talking about this. Is that we have to believe that absolutely anyone. Can change. I think he mentioned that in the seminar. Yes. Yeah. Um. And and that, I mean, radically change is what he was can radically、about. change. Yeah. yeah. Because because for Zacchaeus, this was a this was someone that everybody else had written off, and 
And it is easy. I hate this about myself. Um, And I think that this isn't true just of me. I think that every human being in the world since the fall, you meet someone and you categorize them or like you place them somewhere on a scale. And it's you're you're weighing their um, how beneficial is this relationship going to be? Oh, yeah. Is it going to be any, is it going to, is it going to bring me any benefit? And if it's not, we have this tendency to move on. And I find myself, here's the vulnerability with all of our listeners here that I'm going to express. Um, It's like when somebody wants to become part of our small group that we have in our house, in our house. The people in our small group, we are deeply invested in their lives. Um, and so so when somebody talks about just wanting to come in or somebody invites somebody, I, I really try to just leave it open. Um, Bubba and I actually don't invite a whole lot of people. We let the people in our group invite people um, because, quite frankly, we ran out of room a long time ago. That's a thing that happened. Yeah. We ran out of space. And so it's like, you know what, Lord, you can... <laughs> You can be in charge of deciding when this group is open and when it's closed because I don't know. I would have closed it a long time ago. But there is trepidation when somebody new comes into that because it's like, well, what if this person is going to make more withdrawals from this community than deposits? And and we do that in relationships and we do that in groups. And, and there are certain people that we know straight from the get-go yeah, that person is just an emotional drain oh and gosh. a time drain. Yeah. And I just, I have to draw a boundary. And I'm not saying, I know that there are times we need to draw boundaries. Yeah, I'm not, if you're dealing with trauma or you're dealing with abuse or you're dealing with any of those kinds of things, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we can't draw boundaries, but I think that our culture right now is all about drawing some boundaries. Just cut the negativity out of your life and just walk away from people. And I'm like, actually, Jesus did not. He didn't do that. And, And we tell ourselves it's okay and it's healthy for us when sometimes we need to realize actually Jesus saw potential in that person and he stuck around. Well, that And it's hard. That's the next step is like stop. Sometimes you need to stop for someone. Sometimes mm-hmm. there is someone who needs a little bit more time. Sometimes there is a Zacchaeus in your life that even though there is a crowd around you, you can't be personal with a crowd. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to be personal well, with you, a crowd. You can't. Well, you can be personal while you're in a crowd. Jesus just made it super awkward for everyone. I can <laughs> I can share down. I can share whole, personal experiences in a crowd, but I cannot be personal in a crowd. And so like that's the thing is like you stop, take some time and you start with one person. That's like the practical application, right? Like if there's somebody in your life, pick one person who is in your immediate vicinity that you can be personal with. That you can go out and get coffee with, you can play a game with, invite over to your house, do whatever. Yeah, this is kind of the the challenge. Yeah. The challenge portion of this episode is, um in general is just like just start. Just just start doing it with yeah. someone. The easiest way to do it someone. is to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's going to be on my tombstone. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that person is. We don't know who that person is for you. Um, but you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we're talking right now, you probably got somebody in your brain that you're like, oh, not that guy though, right? Like maybe somebody else. I don't know. That's between you and God and all sorts of stuff. So you figure it out who that person is, but just do it. Just just do do it. it. Do it. Shia LaBeouf would tell you to just 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 do do it. Just do it. Well, hey, guys, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we've got our nerdy recommendation, which we've already kind of spilled the beads on. But we're going to give you where to find it, um, what you can expect over the next X weeks with it and going forward, depending on when you're listening to this episode. But... Stay tuned, listen to some sweet tunes, and we'll be right back, right here on Back Row Radio. Okay, we are back with our, I even struggle. This is not a nerdy recommendation. It's not nerdy. This it is, is a, recommendation a recommendation from some nerds. So I guess <laughs> if you boil it down. But this is, our recommendation for you is excited to share by our pastor, Ross Chandler. And C, Ross Chandler. I can't do it. C, the letter C. I can't do it. And we were debating, uh, I don't know what it stands for, but I think it stands for Chandler Ross Chandler. <laughs> this is Dr. Ross Chandler, and he is our pastor. And like I said, he's done all this stuff. He did all the research. We've gone through it a little bit with him. He had, a fo- he had several focus groups that he had to go through and collect and do all this stuff. And this book, Excited to Share, A 13-Week Journey, on relational evangelism. This is the practical application of his doctoral thesis, which he did get, by the way. I, I think we should put that out there. This isn't just that he might have gotten, hopefully. He is a doctor. He's full on doctor. Of theological things. You can go to discoverfirst.com, discoverfirst.com forward slash excited. And on that site, that's our church's website. On that site, what you're going to find is you're going to find a PDF download for this book. For free. For free. And what you're also going to find are the videos that go along with each of these small group settings. Now, we're slow dripping them on the website, so you're not going to have all 13. Yeah, this is your following week by week with us. You cannot Netflix binge watch these videos, though you may want to. You're going to want to, but you can't. You're probably not going to want to. It's, it's a lot to digest. You, you know, and the, this is a hard study. I'll tell you, it's, it's really hard. You say that it's hard, but actually, I, I just, this is my, my portion of it. I was intimidated by this because anytime we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about sharing, it's like, excited to share? I am not excited because I have in my mind that it's like, okay, go to your local grocer and you need to hand out a tract to or ask your cashier if they can if you can pray for them today or something that is not what this is mm. it's very relationship it's very much relying on the holy spirit and moving away from some traditional techniques that scare the hound dog out of me and bringing it into like actually doable things yeah that are not they are not abrasive 
They are not. No. Um, ugh, like preachy and all of those things that I'm like, can we not? Yeah. Can we just not do that? I don't want to do that. Um, so for me, I would say even though it's hard, uh, it's 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 good and it's not the kind of hard things that I expected it to be. Yes, it, it's it's emotionally hard stuff. It's situationally awkward stuff, but not. He makes sure to tell you several times in the first week, this is not door to door evangelism. This is relationship building that we're doing. Um, fine tuning how we are sharing the story of Jesus Christ and the Gospels. And so, in doing that, we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk to you about some practical applications for knowing and sharing the truth that is Jesus. And I know that this is kind of a slight deviation from what we've normally done. I say normally, we've only been doing this, this show for like less than two months now. Episode seven here. But what you can do is you can take these as a Christian, you can take these and apply these in your, your game group or you know in your online play or whatever it is, like with your family. You guys can do this. You can. And I think that a lot of times we compartmentalize too much of Christianity and there's not enough application. It's all learn, 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 not enough do. So mm-hmm. we want you to be not just hearers of the word, but doers also. And this is stuff, I, the reason that it's pertinent to us is because this is just part of our mission as church nerds. So, well, and this is legitimately what we do for, with Love Thy Nerd. Right. Like this is it. We didn't have a book before. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I've already talked with Ross a little bit about that. Um, but we do now have see, Ross. handbook stuff. See, Ross. Um, <laughs> we do have handbooks that we can kind of look at and go through and all sorts of things. But long story short, discoverfirst.com slash excited. If you're listening in real time, week to week, join us on this. Uh, I would love if you want to send me or Anna you know, a message, you can do so. You can send me an email, bubba at lovethynerd.com. Uh, you can also send Anna an email. Do you have a, do you have a Love Thy Nerd email no, account? No, sir. But well, this I is do. awkward. Anna.stallcup, S-T-A-L-L-C-U-P at gmail.com is my personal... Uh, because I, again, I'm less professional than That's, you are oh, yeah, in we went over every that. That's right. way, shape, and yeah. form. <laughs> I feel like you had an email address and then we took it away. No, Did that happen? I had a, a church one. Because and I, I still have that one. Before we were full on nonprofit, when we were still getting validated, we we only had X number of email addresses that we could give out. And now we have Just infinity. infinite amounts. Yeah. Hey, so you know what? If you want one, I can hook you up. How I about that? Don't, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Uh, be sure to check us out online at lovethynerd.com for amazing articles on all things nerdy, as well as this show and our other podcasts and videos. If you would like to directly support our mission, it would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah. You could become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd. You can go to lovethynerd.com slash give. And we are a qualifying 501c3 organization. Yep. Validated. Nonprofit, so you can go ahead and claim those uh, tax well, deductions. Tax deductions. Yeah, it's tax season right now, Woo-hoo. so hopefully all of the people that gave to us last year are claiming that. Yeah, because it's available. We send out all those fancy little tax forms for you <laughs> to do what you need to do. Hey, don't waste our time, people. That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> well, I think it automates. It's it on its own. <laughs> Never mind. Proceed. <laughs> waste all the time you want. <laughs> Hey, also, if you do pick up It's Personal, 
do us a favor, go to smile.amazon.com and choose Love Thy Nerd as your charity of choice. And really, if you buy anything on Amazon, do us a favor, use smile.amazon.com and choose Love Thy Nerd as your charity of choice. Paper clips, homeschool curriculum, supplies. deodorant. Um, You know uh, what? We're not going to judge you on what you buy on amazon.com. Yeah. No, we just want a portion of it. That's, That's right. all. That's right. Yeah, this that's a sure uh, like a sure way that you can support what we do without it costing you anything extra at all. So, do us a favor once again, smile.amazon.com, choose Love Thy Nerd as your charity of choice. And you can also find us on social media at Love Thy Nerd on all major platforms except for TikTok and Snapchat and those <laughs> other ones. Um, but yeah, and you can also find us right here on Back Row Radio each and every Friday morning. Once again, I'm Bubba. I'm Anna. And we'll catch you next week on another episode of Church Nerds. And as always, if no one else tells you this today, I promise it's true that Jesus loves you nerds. Jesus loves you nerds.